That's the sermon series we've been in as a church. Wrestling with, coming to terms with the fact that God is in the business of changing expectations. That He doesn't always act like we think He'll act or come like we think He'll come. And there's no bigger example of that than what we just sang about. That we thought when the Messiah came into the world that He'd come in one particular way and He came in a very different way. He came soft and slow in the middle of the night when very few knew. And so, I'm just going to very quickly talk about this idea of changing expectations. When we consider the way God chose to come into the world to intervene for salvation, often our expectations feel assaulted. But when we come to trust in this original assault, when we come to see that our expectations being changed actually lead to our salvation, then it might just make it a little easier to trust God and allow Him to change our expectations in the small things that we, we, we tend to hold on to so tightly. So I was going to review all the ways that God did this uh, in the series that we've been through. Um, and then ask you to, to see if perhaps your expectations are changing in the same way. Or maybe your expectations need to change in this way. If you want to live this kind of thick life that God has prepared for you. We don't have time for all of that. <laughs> so uh, I would highly recommend going and listening to Pastor Ryan speak on the life of Hagar. A servant girl who bore the child of Abraham and Sarai, and what she expected would happen and how something very different happened. And then I would encourage you to go listen when we talked about Noah and after the flood, what he expected would happen, how he thought certain things would change and how, in fact, he was wrong. And then I'd encourage you to go listen to Joseph, his sermon on how the crowds, thousands that followed Jesus, had their expectations reworked and twisted from what they thought Jesus was actually coming to do. And then I would encourage you to go listen to what Tylene had to say last week about Mary and Martha and how their expectations were washed away in tears with regard to their brother Lazarus, his illness and the death that they thought Jesus would never allow those who loved him to experience. So instead of doing that, you can go listen to those. And I'm just going to tell you about a few other groups of people very quickly who on the first Christmas had their expectations changed. The first is the wise men, the magi. Perhaps you've heard of them. They were astronomers and they'd heard a prophecy about a king to be born and they followed the astronomical signs of the birth of this prophesied king as a star stood high in the sky. And for years they went and traveled across deserts to find the place that this king was. And they came, and they did what was logical. They found the palace nearest to the location of this star. And they went to the palace, and they realized their expectation was wrong. This king was not found among the politicians, or the academics, or the famous, or the rich. Instead, 
he would be found amongst the average, the common, even the poor. So I ask you, do you tend to look for answers to life's biggest questions? To the mysteries of this world and life and success? Do you tend to look for those answers from the rich, the famous, the academics, the politicians, from those who seem successful or have political power? Do you think those kind of people They must hold the answer to life's biggest questions. I'd say think again. God chooses to reveal Himself in the small things of the world. The average, the common, the meek and the humble. It is the faithfulness of such people where wisdom and true power are found. Are you looking for answers in all the wrong places? From all the wrong people? Chances are, You'd answer that, yes. You should look elsewhere. Changed expectation. Then I point you to those weary shepherds hanging out on the hill who the angels chose by God's direction to announce the news of the Messiah's birth. These shepherds who always expected to be the last to know anything. Typically, they were the social outcasts of a community, living on the outskirts of town, loners with few friends. They had themselves and a few sheep to hang out with. They were low-class, blue-collar, and they assumed that they'd never have the jump on any breaking news. They assumed they'd always be one news cycle behind. They were wrong. God chose them. He chose to reveal the greatest news ever spoken to them first. And then, they got to be the ones to share that good news first with their friends, with their family, and their communities. Do you look down upon the Gospel? The good news of Jesus. Do you look down on it because you know some poor, blue-collar, uneducated friends or family who came to believe and discover Jesus before you? Do you assume that God would have revealed it to you first if it were so true? If it were so important? You were wrong. Perhaps you are the nobody. Maybe you're a social outcast. Maybe you're the black sheep of your family. Knowing the story of the shepherds, Is it so hard to believe that God might use you to reveal His good news to be the first in your family to know who Jesus really is, who the Messiah really is? Is it so hard to believe that you get to be the messenger of this good news to your family, to your friends, to your siblings, even your parents? It wouldn't shock me at all. In fact, that sounds exactly like the God I know. Changed expectation. And perhaps the most shocking revelation, the most shocking changed expectation in all of the Christmas story, in all of the story of Jesus, is for the religious people of Jesus' day. And the religious people of our day too. 
Now, all human beings are religious in some way, meaning they do the same thing over and over again to give their life meaning and purpose. But then there are those people who are really religious. Chances are they come to Christmas Eve service. Now, they could be from any background, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, etc. Doesn't matter. In Jesus' day or in, or in ours, there are those particular people that expect that if they are good enough, if they avoid being too naughty, if they follow the rules set out to them by their religion, even that, if that religion is Christianity, then God must, whatever, they, whatever name they use, their God must and will give them what they ultimately need both in this life and the life to come. We religious people, I myself was one, we expect that our goodness and our rule following can move the heart of God. We are wrong. The good news of Christmas is the bad news that our expectation is wrong. God isn't moved at all by our efforts of religiosity or moral superiority. Even our sacrificial giving does not move the heart of God. God's heart is not moved because it was already fixed. Fixed on one thing from long ago. Saving His people from themselves. Through Jesus. God fixed his heart before we ever began to try to move his heart with our good works. His heart was fixed from before human time even began when he decided that when we fell short, he would send his son, God the Son, into the world to rescue us. God was moved then, and so then he moved from heaven to earth, into our backyard, into a stable, and then through 30 plus years of moving perfectly in sync with God's law, He became blameless and the perfect vehicle to atone for our sin. But He didn't stop there. Then God moved, not away from danger, but toward it, and He moved His way onto a Roman cross and into the path of punishment so that He could move us out of the path of God's hurricane of judgment. Judgment due for our sin and rebellion against a good and righteous Creator. But God didn't stop. Then He moved again. He moved a rock that covered the grave where Jesus lay. And breathing new life into Jesus' body, He then moved the lungs of Jesus again. And brought him back to life. Proving that life after death is possible for all who put their trust in Jesus. The Messiah. The Son of God. Do you need to change your expectation about how God saves? Do you try to move God's heart by your religious effort or your good moral living? It will never be enough. And it is not needed. Jesus already died for your shortcoming. Do you need to move out of the ineffective religious living 
and actually move into that which delivers. Move into a life of grace. A life of receiving what Jesus has done for you. It's so different. And it proves itself true when you move into it. Changed expectation. In Ephesians 2, 13 to 17, God tells us this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In this flesh, He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that He might create in Himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that He might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which He put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now what is, what is going on here? Who are the far away and who are the near? Who are the both groups? Who are the two become one? It's what we just talked about. The far away would be the shepherds. Those who never thought they'd be good enough to be accepted by God. And the near are those who think they're so religious. Who think that they're near to God by their work and their efforts. And God says, both are at war with God until Jesus came to make peace. And when Jesus makes peace, He makes peace with both groups so that the two become one. So I bet there's some shepherds in here and I bet there's some religious folk in here. And we both need the same thing. The blood of Jesus poured out for us on the cross to atone for our sin or our false religiosity or our indifference to God. And by His blood, we have peace with God and peace with one another. That is the good gift of Christmas. That is what we celebrate tonight. So I'd like to pray, and I'd like you to pray with me. And perhaps you need to pray this simple prayer alongside of me. I'm going to pray and if you want to ask God to do for you what religion can't do for you and what you thought was never possible for you, whether you thought you were near to God or you know you're far from God, you can pray this prayer with me and you can have peace with God. So would you bow your head and pray with me if you would like. God, I admit that I am as much the problem as anyone else in this world. God, I admit that I have sinned against you and my fellow creatures in your good creation. God, I admit that I have looked in many other places for salvation, and they are all barren. 
God, I admit that I was slow to turn to look for you. God, I admit that I cannot earn your love, that I cannot move your heart, but that it is your love for me alone that is my effort. God, I admit that I need your grace to save me through the finished work of Jesus. God, I admit that you sent your Son to save me. God, I admit that you sent him to the cross to die for my sin, to pay my debt. God, I admit that you rose him by your power from the dead, and he lives now with you. God, I admit that I need you today and every day moving forward. Please, God, save me. Please, God, send me your spirit. Please, God, give me new life in Jesus. Amen. I'll ask the band to come up and lead us in two final songs. And as we sing, um, if you need prayer, I'll be up here on the side. If you'd like to tell somebody that you prayed that prayer, I'd love to know. You can either send me an email or set up a coffee with me or, or someone from our team. And We pray that you would experience the fullness of the gift that is Jesus Christ, now and forevermore. That you would know that you have peace with God and that you would experience peace with people that you never thought possible because His Spirit lives in you. That His gift of His life now rules your life and you would have life to the full.